Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. We've been talking in this series about friendship and and who's got you, who's with you, and and so the first week, who did we talk about? Anybody remember? Moses and his two friends. Who? Aaron and her. The funniest name. I won't go there. Anyway, okay, Aaron and her. And then the next week, we talked about two ladies. Orpah was one of them, but Ruth and Naomi were the two that we followed up with, right? Last week, Jeremy talked to us about two guys. Who were they? David and Jonathan. Well, when I say the phrase, um, we're, we're talking about these, these three characters a little bit, but when I talk about the phrase thick community that you see on the board there, I want to know what comes to your mind. We're going to turn the lights up, and I want you to turn to your neighbors for just a minute, and I want you to describe what comes to mind as you hear that term, thick community. If you're not near somebody, slide near somebody, go. Shout out to me some of your ideas. What comes to mind when you hear thick community? And I don't mean what happens to people who were hibernating during COVID, okay? Uh-huh. Not that kind of thick community. All right, share with me your ideas. What comes to mind? Strong. 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 Many. Many. Stew. Stew. Well-rounded. Healthy. Healthy. In your business. In, your business. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> In a good way. Okay. Thick as thieves. Always there. Mm, The more strands woven together, the stronger it is. Thicker the rope, the stronger it is. Twelve? Okay. All right. So, sorry. Ooh, able to deal with each other's junk. Hold on to that thought. We're going to touch that in just a second. All right. So let me, um, when I think of fall, um, I, I, go to things, I go to thick things in the fall, right? It's funny. My husband said stew, but stew is what comes to my mind, and I think I have a picture of it for you, um, of a picture of stew. Um, I start thinking of thick blankets, and I start thinking of thick sweaters, although not too thick because I get hot easy. Um, I think of, I just think of, I don't know, there's something about fall that just feels thick to me. 
And so um, when I think of beef stew, I get hungry. I get hungry because I think of beef stew that my mom used to make when we were kids. I think of, um, I also think of a member of my family who wants to gag when they see a picture of beef stew. I'm not going to point anyone out. Um, they, they didn't like Miss Brandy's beef stew. Like, it just didn't matter who they were. Um, but I have a family member who does not think that beef stew is the best thing in the world. I'm not pointing any fingers, people. Okay. Um, so I, it, you know, I, I think of my stomach being coated, like, with warmth. I just, I remember coming in on a cold night, you know, after we would get home from school, we'd go outside and play, and we'd come in, and mom would have a pot of beef stew on the stove, and you could smell it when you walked into the house, and you, you're cold, you're freezing cold sitting down there in that chair, and you sit down, and you eat that stew, and it just, like, warms your insides. It fills you up, and that's, that's what I think of. Um, I think of potlucks when ladies would bring beef stew because it would feed a lot of people so they'd bring beef stew and and set it in the line at the potluck Um, I think of meals with people on Sunday afternoons when I think of beef stew so that's that's my my image of thick there's warmth and filling and uh, uh, thick and you know I love your description with strong so the next thing that I think of when I think of community is I think of my church you all are my community I think of my neighborhood and I think of what I call my village. They're my people that I call on when something happens. When Jeremy and I are out of town and Rylan calls us from school and we need somebody to, to pick Rylan up, those, those are my people, right? Those are my village. Um, so I, I have these, these different circles of people. Um, my, my family, they're part of my community too. So we have all these different things that make up thick community, but this morning I want to actually break down what does it look like to be a thick community. And I love some of your answers. Um, When you talk about, we're gonna talk about a couple of passages this morning about what it means to be a thick community. And the first passage is actually in Ecclesiastes verses four, or chapter four, verses nine and 10. Um, It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Um, I need two teenagers who are willing to come up here and help me. And maybe it's not two teens. Maybe it's two, just two people who say, I'll come be a volunteer. All right, come on. Ian, come on up here. And Carter, come on. We'll pull you two up here. This is perfect. All right, I'm going to have you guys come right here on the platform. Okay. Um, oh, let's see. Who wants to fall down? You're going to fall down. Okay, fall down. Oh, perfect. Carter fell down. Or Ian fell down. This is, he, Ian's getting into the role, man. All right, Ian, roll over here. You, you fell down. All right. Now, Ian, I want you to get up, but you can't use your arms or your hands. <laughs> look at you. Look, look. He kind of used his hands a little bit, but is it, it's kind of hard to get up when you can't use your arms, isn't it? All right, Ian, fall back down. You fell again. Oh, look, there you go. There you go. All right, Carter, come on over here. You're gonna, can you help Ian up this time? He can, he can give you his hands to help him up this time. All right, you get it. Yeah, work with him a little, though. He, yeah, oh, man. Oh, look it. All right, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Thank you guys very much. You can go sit down. <laughs> yeah, thank you for not falling down the stairs. That would really be dramatic, but we don't want anyone hurt this morning. 
So what you notice is when Ian fell by himself, and I said, you can't use your hands and your arms, it was hard for Ian to get up, right? But when Ian has someone next to him, and Ian falls down, Ian's got a helping hand to say, I'm with you in this. Let's get you back up. Right? Okay. So a man who falls alone is like a left hand without a right. It's kind of hard to, uh, to get yourself back up when you have fallen by yourself. Everybody needs um, help, and it's a blessing both to give and to receive help. I think about um, a story that happened to Jeremy and I one time, and somebody wanted to help with some, something, and we were like, no, you, you don't need to do that. And that person looked at us and said, um, but if you say no to me, you're, you're robbing me of the blessing of helping you. So even more than what they were offering to us being a blessing to us, they were saying we were robbing them of the blessing that they wanted to give us. So sometimes I think um, we might be offered help and we're like, no, I've got that. How many of you have ever been like, have been offered help and said, no, I've got that? Right? I think there's, we can all find a time probably in our life where we've said, no, I can do that. Uh, you know, all right, let me, let me uh, look at our kids here just a second. Let's give the image of a child, right? They are going to feed themselves. Lord bless when children learn to eat. And you, I, mamas out there, are any of you like me? Like, it is hard just to let them go at that food by themselves because they are a royal mess from head to toe. And the clean mom in me is like, oh, don't look, don't look. Like, they're like, food is everywhere. Spaghetti. I just looked at a picture of Rylan this week for his birthday, and he was, uh, he he managed to wear his spaghetti when he would eat. But if you went to help them, f to feed it to them, what do they say? I do it myself. I got it. Or no, and they grab their eating utensil and pull it away from you, and they eat it themselves, right? We do the same thing sometimes when we're offered help. We do the same things when people want to step into our life and be a part of our community. And we say no. But when we do that, we rob them of the opportunity to be a blessing to us. Just a thought. Um, difficult jobs become easier with four hands and double strength of two people working together. Two hands, you can do a lot. We've got some strong people in here. I've seen you do things and move things. I've seen you hauling boxes out of our moving trailer two years ago this week when we moved here. You can do things, but boy, when you get a whole bunch of hands in there to do things, watch what happens. The work becomes stronger, faster, better when there's more hands to do the work. I want to share a clip with you that we're going to take a look at here this morning. You are watching sportsmanship at its finest as a cross-country runner helps his injured teammate finish the race. Blake Lewis, a junior at Riverton High School in Utah, remembers the excruciating sound of his leg bone snapping with only 200 meters left in the state championship meet. During the race, I felt fine, but like just at the very last part, I just did not feel good and then just broke. <laughs> That's when his teammate, Sean Roush, did something amazing. He stopped and lifted his buddy onto his back. It was super hard and I, you know, heard him screaming the whole way, but... You know, I just kept telling them we're a family and we're a team and 
you know, we're gonna finish this one together. Just shy of the finish line came this very special moment. I believe that everybody should finish, so I put him down and I made sure he, he crossed in front of me. That was a really cool experience. It's something I'll remember like for a really long time. Unfortunately, both boys weren't disqualified because of a rule that says you cannot touch another runner. If it's being disqualified for that reason, I'm all for it. Like that's that's who I am. People are calling you a hero for doing this. Do you feel like that? I'm not a hero. I'm just Blake's brother. He says a couple things in that video that I love. He says, we're family. That wasn't his actual blood brother, just so you know. But we're family. He's my brother. We all finish. And he gave up a prize for himself to help his friend. It was so powerful. I love that. I love that image of, of here's this runner in the state meet. I, just, I think of this in this week. We went this week and watched Ryland run in the state cross country meet. This runner who stops to help his friend who has fallen. I've seen that a few other times in some races over the years that I've watched Jeremy run in, where somebody falls and gets hurt and somebody else just stops with them and says, here, I got you. You are more important than the road that I'm on at the moment. It's sacrificing of self. It's two are better than one. Even if it means being disqualified. Those boys deserved a medal in spite of that. Psh rule on that one. Oh, just, I was like, seriously. Aaron and her helped Moses like this. Ruth and Naomi, Ruth helped Naomi just the same way. David and Jonathan helped each other. Who do you help like this? Who helps you like this? Um, before we read this next passage, I want to point out something to you about scripture or really anything else you read. And that is, if you read something and you don't know what it means, dig deeper. And if you don't know what it means after digging deeper, then call a friend. Phone a friend from who wants to be a millionaire. And if the friend doesn't know, then call your pastor. And if we don't know, we'll help you look. We will find an answer together. But do not just take something and think, wow, that is messed up, without digging into why it says what it says. Um, we're going to take just a side note here this morning um, because I want to give you some examples. Um, the things that we read in passages of Scripture mean something different today than maybe they meant when the Bible was written. The word, not necessarily the meaning of the Scripture, don't get me wrong here, but the word and our interpretation of it today could be different. So when we read some things, we go, what in the world is that saying? I had a moment like that with our next verse. But let me show you this. I want to show you some examples of some things that might be a little different today. Um, here is the first one. It's called, you finna scoop? Yeah, thank you. Somebody goes, what? Look at Some people in here know what this means. Some of you are going. Okay, so you finna scoop means, um, finna means Fixing to do something, I love the person that gave me this. They like pulled out the di dictionary meaning, like probably urban dictionary. And then scoop means to pick something, someone up like at their house. Okay, some of you are like, wow. Okay, here's another one. Can you read up for me? I love it. Anybody know what that means? Can you clean up? Can you ready, ready up? Read up. I know, some of you. 
Some of you are like, that, that doesn't exist. No, it exists. I actually know that exists because that was a phrase that I heard a lot growing up. Okay, um, I'm going to box your ears. What? Why are you going to box somebody's ear? What is that going to help? I'm going to box your ears. All right, here's another one. And I wish I had a video of this one because our, our Trevecca president actually said this this week about a burger. There's a video of him. He goes, this burger's bussin'. It's good. There you go. All right, so adults, I want you to go home to your kids today and be like, this is bussin' lunch. Okay, please, try it out. I'm going to tell you a story about trying some of these out in just a minute. All right, so this is bussin'. All right, next one. Um, I see you got your ears lowered. You got a haircut. There you go. Uh, how about this one? I just learned where this comes from. I've said this. We all have probably said this. Sleep tight. How many of you said that to your kids? Does anybody in here know where that actually comes from? Jeremy knows because he learned this week. And some of you who read my Facebook read it this week. L, what is it? Yeah. It was for sailors on a ship that were, had to tie themselves to their bed during rough waters. And I'm telling my kids, sleep tight, sweetie. Like, <laughs> it's like saying nursery rhymes to your kid. You're like, those are morbid. Okay, so understand your words before you use them. All right, next one. Um, oh, so there's a couple of these here that I'm going to say, um, and I'm not actually going to tell you what these mean. You've got to find a teen after service and ask them what these mean, okay? All right, uh, bet, bruh, and that's straight drip. Okay, you guys, oh, it's actually, it should say drip, sorry. The, um, this is Jeremy's favorite phrase. He uses this with the cross-country team like all the time. He's like, that outfit's straight drip, and they're like, Look at him like, what? What? Um, so on the other day, we were going through these phrases. I asked people to share some things with me this week. And Luke and Rylan were in the car with us on the way to the state cross-country meet. And I'm trying out these phrases that the boys tell us they use. And they're like, please don't do that. Like, stop. So we get to a stoplight, and I roll the window down like I'm going to try it on the guy in the car next to me. And they're like, no, do not do that, Mom. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to try it on him. And they're like, don't do that. It makes me laugh that it's okay phrases for them to use. But if I say it to the guy in the car next to me, they're like, don't say that. Okay, so all this to say, understand the things that you are reading. Make sense of them. Dig further. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Find a teen, ask them what those things mean later. Ask them some other things, too. They're pretty entertaining. Yeah. All right, Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. We heard that over there. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all else, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. If I could pick a different phrase for perfect harmony today, it would be, which binds us all together in thick community. Uh, I read verse 12 of this passage in a different translation this week. Thus comes my study of phrases that we don't understand. Verse 12, in a different translation, says this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Kindness, humbleness and of mind, and meekness and long-suffering. Okay, I read that and I'm like, bowels of mercy? What is that? 
Like my understanding of what bowels do is not something I'm thinking I should be loving you with bowels. It just, it's so strange, right? Maybe I'm the only one in here who reads things sometimes and thinks that just does not make sense. I've done that for years. I would be studying something in a, in a class, a Bible class, and I'd come into Jeremy and go, what on earth is this talking about? Okay, so that was my reaction to this verse. Um, bowels of mercy, um, this was during a time when body parts and functions were used to describe things. So let me read you this. Next thing says, in our culture, we usually speak of our hearts being the seat of our emotions. But it was common in Greek culture to attribute the seat of emotions to the intestines, since that's where we feel our emotions. Ulcers in times of stress, butterflies in times of joy, they affect our gut for more, far more than they actually affect our hearts. One could argue that the ancient understanding is actually better than what's in the passage today. I don't necessarily know that you want to go around and tell everyone you learned about the bowels of mercy today, but seriously, like, think about that, though. Like, when you get excited, what, what happens? Your stomach gets, you know, excited. When you get upset, um, you, sometimes people literally feel sick to their stomach because they're so upset about something. So when we think of our emotions and where we feel things, and we think of this um, offering mercy, that the passage, if you go back, it says, with tender-hearted mercy, or bowels of mercies, you think about that mercy that you're offering someone is coming from this place just deep within you where you just mean what you're saying or offering. It comes from the depths of you. When we talk about community, we talk about, the, you know, just like we talked about the stew, we need the right ingredients to thicken our community. It doesn't just happen. You put stew on the stove, and if you don't put a little bit of flour in there, what's going to happen? It's going to be runny. How many of you have ever made a soup or a stew, and you're like, wow, that came out runny? All right, I'm the only one. I'll admit it. It's me. Um, but if you miss the ingredients, and if you miss putting them in the way you're supposed to, it doesn't turn out the way it's intended to. Um, here are some of the things that we need. Mercy. Compassion or forgiveness towards someone whom it is within your power to punish or harm. So you don't have to forgive that person. You have the upper hand. You're the one who's maybe right in the situation, but mercy is offering compassion or forgiveness even when you don't have to. Kindness. The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Okay? Makes thick community. That one's self-explanatory. Humility. A modest or low view of one's own importance. Humbleness. Now, you might hear low view of your own importance and go, oh, but we're supposed to be confident in ourselves." Yeah, you are supposed to be confident in who you are in Christ. But a modest view of, you know what, I'm going to put you before me. That kid that ran that race showed humbleness. Why? But he gave up his whole race to carry his teammate across the line. That's humility. That's humility. Okay, gentleness, the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. Kind. We could all benefit from that in our society today, am I right? That is something that we seem to have thrown out the window. I w it would be an interesting thing 
if on all social media platforms, we were to put a filter that filtered out anything not kind? How would your feed look? A little different than it probably does most days. Because I think people say things on social media that they wouldn't dare say to someone's face. Folks, if you're not willing to say that to somebody's face, don't say it. Like my mama used to say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing at all. And she was right. I didn't like it at the time. All right. Patience. Uh, this one is like, I always tell people, don't pray for patience because God will give it to you, but be ready when he does. All right, patience. The ability to wait for a long time without becoming annoyed or upset. Yeah. Ah, let me read that one more time. The ability to wait for a long time without becoming annoyed or upset. That is hard for some of us. That is doggone near impossible. But we have to wait. We have to have patience. In your marriage, sometimes you have to wait a long time for God to do a work that you want him to do. In your relationship with your children, sometimes you have to wait a long time for God to speak to them you, the way you want him to speak to them. Maybe you just maybe God wants to speak to them a different way than you do. Um, in your friendships, you have to have patience without becoming annoyed or upset. In our church, we have to have patience. And sometimes we have to wait for things without becoming annoyed or upset. Folks, God is doing things here. And sometimes these things are going to take us a little bit of time, like finding the right staff member. I want it to happen tomorrow. But I have to have patience without becoming annoyed or upset. Ask yourself these questions. Am I compassionate as I welcome the friends of my children into my home? <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't have children. Think about it. And then one day, remember back to this when you get annoyed when all the kids come running into your house. Okay? Um, does kindness permeate my relationship with my neighbors? Am I humble as I work through challenges in my marriage? Am I gentle and patient when I teach math, grammar, science, or any subject that is challenging for me and or for my child? Y'all, I will admit, I am the worst at this. Math is not my thing. It never has been. And when my children come to me needing math help, I have to pray that I don't get angry because I don't understand it. And so therefore, I end up taking my frustration out on them sometimes. Or I send them to their dad, who's good at math. Patience. You might um, kind of feel a little down on yourself at the moment. I want you to do this. I want you to think of these things, but I want you to be reminded that um, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience are not something that just happen on their own in you. They happen in you with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and through you. You have got to welcome the Holy Spirit's lead in your life. You've got to allow Christ in your heart and allow him to transform your heart for those to become the fruits of your developing relationship with the Lord. In the, in the passage, it says, um, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness. We need to be a people who practice forgiveness for each other. Um, we should not be the ones who are constantly offended. 
We just shouldn't. We shouldn't be the ones holding on to grudges. If we're living like Jesus, we got to learn to let go. Now, it doesn't mean those of you who are working through forgiveness for one reason or another, it does not mean that it happens, sorry, I can't snap with my left hand, like this. You can't snap your fingers and that happens. Forgiveness takes time. But what's important is that we are living into that forgiveness and each day choosing to say, I'm going to try to forgive today. I'm going to try to forgive today. There's a season of our life, and Jeremy and I refer to it, where we got up every morning and we had to say, I'm forgiving this person today. I would literally see a picture of this person and I'd have it again. I, I, we've got to forgive this person today. I've got to forgive this person this, min this minute, this hour. It's a practice. Forgiveness does not happen immediately or instantaneously. In thick community, we work together for the higher good. Um, some organiza organizations are thick and some are thin. Uh, some leave a mark on you and some you pass through without a memory. Think about the jobs you've worked over your life. Some of you could look back over those jobs and go, man, that group felt like family. And other jobs you were like, I could not wait to get out of that setting. Right? Anybody? Yeah. Thick versus thin. Thick community should be a place where people come and want to stick like stew because they want to be a part of it, not thin where they run right through the drain on out the other door. A thick institution or a thick community becomes a part of a person's identity and engages with the whole person, their head, their hands, their heart, and their soul. When we clothe ourselves in love, we're able to um, bind ourselves in harmony, perfect harmony, or thick community. When we come together in Christ, that's when our thick community is created. Um, Jesus is our example of, of, of the art of creating friendships and thick community. He's the example of all those, those characteristics that we said, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Man, Jesus waited for a long, he was patient with those disciples. They were a bunch of clueless people who did some really boneheaded things. And he was patient with them. They were thick-headed but he was creating thick community. He is the ultimate example. Um, these were a group of imperfect people learning to follow the master. They were invited into community with Christ just like you and I are invited into that community. We are a group of imperfect people trying to follow the master. We are not perfect. So if you're in here going this morning, I can't do that. That's okay. That's not what we're asking. We're asking you to allow Christ into your life and into your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and transform you. There are people who need you to link arms with them. Some of them may be sitting in this room. There are people who need to be invited to your table just like Christ invites us to his table. They need to be shown love and mercy and forgiveness and kindness, and gentleness, and patience. Who are they? Are they in your home? Are they in your neighborhood? Are they in your office, your school? Or are they in this room? Bow your heads with me this morning.
As we prepare to close, I would like everybody to close your eyes for just a minute, please. I want you to raise your hand if you're in this room and you say, I need someone to link arms with me. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If you're in here and without even having to spend much time thinking about it, you know someone you need to link arms with. I want you to raise your arm, your hand. You know someone in your life who you've got to be that to. All right, thank you. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and, and we ask that you would help us to do our part, to be a part of creating thick community. That community that sticks together through everything. That you would help us to be that people who love on others in a way that draws them to us because they want to hang on. They want to link arms with us and live life together. God, help us to open our eyes to those in this very room who say, I just need someone to love on me, to link arms with me, to help me up. And help us to be a people who, not just here in this room, but as we live our life throughout the week, in our home, in our neighborhood, in our jobs, to look at the people who need us. And may we offer love and kindness, mercy, gentleness, humility, and patience. God, some of us may struggle with one or all of these things. And I ask that as we go through this week, that we would lay our heart before you and say, God, I struggle with this. And I need you to help me be the person that you want me to be. To link arms with others the way that you would call me to. I pray that you would specifically put people in the lives of everyone in this room this week, that they know it's their person to link arms with. But God, it wouldn't be in our own strength that we try to create thick community because if we try that, we're going to end up with a thin stew. But God, may we invite your Holy Spirit into everything that we do. Because where your spirit is in the midst of us, mm, good things are going to happen. The aroma of Christ is what comes when we come together with your spirit in us. So Lord Jesus, do a work in us. Thicken our community here at Real Life. Thicken our community in the days ahead as we move forward without a leader in our children's ministry for now. As we move forward to put people in place to help fill the gap until we find that next person, may we be thick community together, Lord. You are up to good things. And we are thankful that we are a bunch of misfit people, imperfect people, who are trying to make imperfect progress in our relationship with you. Imperfect progress is better than none. And so God, do a work in us this week. In your name, amen. Stand with me this morning. As you go this week... My prayer is that you will be community thickeners. And that as you bless the life of someone else by helping them up or offering them patience, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, or love, whatever it is, that you would be blessed in return. Until we meet again.
Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.